0: You're listening to The Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church.
1: The beauty of what's, what's happened recently, and it's not beautiful, what happened. But I've had so many beautiful conversations where I've had people that for the first time are saying, I don't understand in a very humble way. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand as opposed to, well, I don't understand, so it must not be true. They use that, I don't understand, as this like, you know, as this evidence for why it must not be true, and it's foolish.
0: Hey everyone, Jose here, and this week we have a special episode for the Conversations podcast. I Zoomed with Yusuf Agoro. Many of you know him. He spent many years at Cypress Creek Church. He came through crosstalk and played drums and was even our 2019 focus speaker. An amazing guy, lots of wisdom and and a guy that loves Jesus profoundly. And after chaos ensued in our nation, after George Floyd's death, I called him to hear and listen his perspective. And my hope is that this authentic and raw conversation with Yusuf would compel you to have more authentic and raw conversations as we navigate through what's going on in our culture. Because as the people of God, we are called to respond with humility, compassion, and love. I hope you enjoy. And again, I hope that this compels you to have more conversations about everything that's going on. Peace. Yusuf, how are you? I'm good, bro. How are you? Good. Thanks for logging on and, and being willing to have this conversation. So I called you earlier this week and I, like I have a few other times, the last year, different things going on. I wanted to call you because I love you, I trust you and you are wise. And um, wanted to check in, see how you were feeling, get your take, listen and learn. So that is my hope for this conversation. And I hope that everyone that's watching uh, does just that this is not going to be a uh, thus saith the Lord this is not going to be a we have all the right answers we're simply <coughs> having a conversation uh, second conversation that I felt was uh, really beneficial given everything going on so um, yeah man thanks for thanks for being willing to to have this conversation so I know you really well a lot of people at Cyberscreek church know who you are they've seen you playing drums. All the students saw you bring the heat and the word. uh, Focus 2019, uh, where the spirit moved powerfully. One of the most powerful nights of my life watching all these students Answer to 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 the call that God put in your heart and and invite Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. I don't know if you you remember that night. So powerful. Oh, um, bro, come on. It was man. It was the Lord. <laughs> of course. But he, he 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 used you that night. Oh no, I know. But you asked me if I remember that night, bro. I remember that night.
1: Like like yeah. nobody's business. Yeah. And one so, thing I was telling you. Is, yeah. Go ahead. Well, t- we're having the, one of those Zoom call things. Uh,
0: Tell me that. And then uh, tell us also, you know, a little bit, a little bit about who you are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, well, about focus, man. So one thing I just, I'd love to, you know, say is, uh, yeah, super powerful night. And I think in those moments where you just, you know, God likes to partner with his kids. He loves to do it. And so when he moves powerfully and you get to be a part of it, it's, it's, it's pretty special. Yeah, so, indeed. um, so yeah, so yeah, Yusuf, I am Nigerian American. So was born in the UK, moved to Katy when I was like seven, um, grew up in, so Katy Houston, um, went how to old, Texas state. How old state. were
0: you when you moved from the UK to? Oh, seven,
1: seven. seven-ish. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then um Texas State is where I met all the phenomenal people in Wimberley. Um and you know, And, San Marcus, and, San, and Marcus. San Marcus. Yeah, of course San Marcus. I mean that's given, right? Met my wife there and some of my best friends. So um so yeah, and so now I'm in Dallas. I am um, an engineer for Texas Instruments and yeah, it's just living the, living the life right now. So.
0: Yeah. So good. Um, I'm thinking about all the ping pong, uh, matches <laughs> we had.
1: <laughs> oh bro, you're going
0: back to like 2011, like 2012, bro. Yeah. And Yusuf is also a very talented piano player. That's a little known fact. So.
1: Uh, there's one song I learned how to play.
0: Yeah. Two, I think. Anyway, <laughs> um, this last week has been crazy. George Floyd's death has, has um, changed a lot of things. And I called you because I wanted to hear um, how you were feeling, what you were thinking. And so if you don't mind, t- tell us. Tell us a little bit about how you've been feeling and, and what you've been thinking over the last week or so.
1: Yeah, man. Um, I think, so the emotions are definitely... You know, they bounce back and forth and they kind of span out the, the spectrum of what, you know, you would feel when mm-hmm. it comes to this. You know, it's obviously it's, you know, I haven't even watched the video because, like I said, my spirit just doesn't jive well. Um, but it's extremely heartbreaking, you know, and it's there is a sense of numbness that comes from seeing yet another unarmed dude that looks like me. Um, Murdered on camera, and then the justice system kind of delays, you know, uh, as far as like when they decide decide to move and do something about it, you know. So it's it's hurtful. It sucks. Um, but then on top of that, I think what's come out of this, and and you know, the response to George Floyd has been, I think, a little. A lot different, you know mm-hmm. than really any case in the relative past, yeah. you know I've had so many conversations mm-hmm. um, as a result and so you know on one side, obviously it's I can't even watch the I can't bring myself to watch the video mm-hmm. it's it's traumatic it's it's hard, it's hurtful mm-hmm. um, to know that like this, this is a man made in the image of God. And we look, he looks like we look alike, you know? Um, This is, you know, there's, there's a, there's a way to relate to him that people that look like me can, you know, can, can, can do and, and can relate in a way that it's just hard to, if you don't, you know? And so it's just a weird, it's different. It feels, it feels different. And it's, and so there's the hurt, there's the numbness, Cause it's like, okay, you know, this isn't new. This is, this is an unfortunate, um, consistent thing we see in, in, you know, in the world we live in and in America today. But then there's also this like sense of hope that I get from just reflecting on the really awesome conversations I've had as a result of this, Mm. um, so, yeah, it's definitely a spe- a wide array of emotions and, um, and thoughts and. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned that you moved to the UK or from the UK to the States when you were seven, I moved from Mexico when I was six. So we both kind of came into, you know, the United States around the same age. Um, you know, one of the things that has hit me the most is, I don't know what it's like. I'm a minority in this country, but I don't know what it's like to grow up in this country being black, and that's something that that really has stood out. All of the stories that that have been similar from from you know speaking to you and, and other black friends, and so uh, what was that like for you? What was it like growing up black? Did you see racism, and did you see people
1: treat you differently? I mean. Yeah, definitely, right? There's definitely a sense of when you're okay. There's definitely a sense of familiarity that you get, right? When when you're black in America, you know, and it's it's a yes and no. Like I have had the most amazing experiences with and have some like just my closest friends and family aren't of the same race that I am. Right. But at the same time, there have been complete strangers that don't know me very well, um, that have assumed, you know, like that they know me and that they know what I'm like, just based off of, just based off of my skin color. And it's interesting too, because there is a level of, um, okay, just kind of path of least resistance is just go with the flow, right? And so I think there are a lot of black people that actually just try and fit in the best they can um, to put people at ease, right? Because I've sensed that where when you meet people for the first time or you show up at a party or whatever, there's definitely a tension, um, from people that, that don't know you're meeting you for the first time, um, you know, because, because you're black. Um, and, you know, but also it's not always the case either, right? It's definitely a case by case thing. You know, I, I don't wanna make it seem like I'm afraid to step foot out of my house right. because I'm not. Right. Um, but I definitely have been treated differently because of my, you know, because of the color of my skin. Um, you know i think my perspective is a is pretty is a a relatively interesting one because you know not very many people know this but nigerian culture and african american culture aren't the same <laughs> we look the same we're not the same right um and so what that means is the way that i relate to the world around me is different right from my upbringing like cultural like um, identity like all of this stuff the way so the way that I relate to the world around me is different than the way someone who you know whose grandparents were slaves on US you know or great 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 grandparents were slaves on US soil and they've been raised as African Americans in this country so like different right like when, when, when I was younger my mom was like you're not getting cornrows, you're not getting, irritant, like, you're not, because, because I don't want you to lose, like, your identity as a Nigerian, right? But yet, the way that the world relates to me is the same as the way the world relates to, to any other black dude, right? So, so there's a sense of, I totally understand what it, what it looks like to grow up black in this country, you know. In that sense. But then there is some sense that, you know, like my mom said, man, Yusuf, black people in this country, they struggle so much. They've gone through so much. Right. There's a level of empathy she has for people that look exactly like her, but it's coming from a place of. Man, like. I grew up in Nigeria, dirt poor, had to walk 15 miles every morning to fetch water and, you know, for the day and walk, you know, walk back home with it on my head, super hard upbringing. But yet I know like my ancestry, right? Like I know, you know, like where our families come from. We have like items that have been passed down generation to generation. Um, there hasn't been this oppression yeah. against our direct lineage, you know, that, that affects the way, um, I view other people of color or, or other people that don't look like me, white people, right. In this country, like I haven't experienced that and they had like the stuff that they've gone through, you know, and so, so there's that, there's that interesting dynamic, right. Where. Yeah, I can relate to being black in this country, but at the same time, you know, I also have a lot of compassion for a lot of my black brothers and sisters as well. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that you mentioned identity, too, because that's such a key piece to this is not only identifying what is wrong and what needs to change, but as followers of Jesus, our identity is is one. And and that is that that we were made in the we were all made in in God's wow. image, but but we truly recognize that our main culture is the kingdom culture. It's it's not yeah. you know you're Nigerian. This person was born in Texas. Um, I was born in Mexico City. Like those those are those are flavors you know, and 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 we're, we're to celebrate those. But our real identity is is in Jesus. So let's talk about that for a little bit, man. Um, yeah. Tell me what was that like for you? Uh when did you come to Jesus? How how was that um how did that identity become uh solid in your life?
1: Yeah, so even just talking about that, I you know, I I love that you said that because I think oftentimes like people don't really know how to navigate this, you know, that topic, right? Where we're talking about cultural identity, like like your boy's Nigerian. You know, but then but then I am also and most importantly, a follower of Jesus. Right. And so the way I've just always thought about it is there are things that describe me and things that define me as far as like my value. Right. And my Nigerian heritage. Right. Describes me like you can't look at me and say, I don't see color. Yes, you do. Like I am. I'm black. I'm proud of it. Right, yeah. um, it describes me, and you would be either actually colorblind, or even if you were colorblind, you should still be able to tell that there's a difference between you know uh, people of uh, you know lighter skin complexion. Um, but anyways, but one of the beautiful things about the way that God has created us, right, is that He's not a He's a very diverse in in his works. And it's, it's beautiful. He calls it beautiful, right? The problem is that in our sin, we try and take what describes people and use that to define their value. And so you're black, right? I mean, if you talk about the whole civil rights movement is fighting against this idea of, I'm going to use something that describes you as a means to define your value in a way that's, that, you know, is lower than, than that, that's uh, impressive. You know, my skin. That's oppressive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so there's that, but then you do talk about the defining aspect where I'm defined by, by my maker, right. That I'm defined not only as worth worth, an infinite amount of value, like any human being, right? Being made in the image of God, you are defined, like you have God's thumbprint on you, mm-hmm. that thumbprint of you are valuable, regardless of how you're dis- described, skin color, whatever, athleticism, popularity, whatever, right? Uh, disorders like sicknesses, illnesses, thumbprint, you, yeah. you, you are defined as valuable. But then even a step further than that, right, is for all of those who, who have trusted and believed in Jesus and his message, right, they are given the, the right to become children of God, right? So you have this description of me and I'm, def- I'm definitively valuable, but also I'm like not just valuable, I'm a child of God, right? And so, and that for me is like, that is that's your identity, right there. You know that—that that is who you are in essence. And so I can—I don't have to feel bad or weird about, right? You know, owning my descriptions. You know, um, but making sure that that I know really at the core who I who I really am. You know. So, anyways, um, I grew a Muslim. To answer your question. <laughs> I was about to ask again because yeah. I
0: wanted to hear it again. When did that land for you, Q, go?
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's a, it's a really long story, but to shorten it, I was Muslim. Fifth grade, I became more of a little bit of an agnostic, but also met, you know, someone who would become my best friend at the time. And then my best friend, when I was in seventh grade, he got saved, became a Christian, And so we start talking about Jesus and stuff all the time. And I have a lot of questions, but I don't understand how Jesus like died on the cross for our sins. Like I don't get I don't understand why that is so important. And so um, so I just decided I wasn't going to be a Christian. And eighth grade, um, you know, my best friend, who still is one of my best friends, he he was the best man at my wedding to today or three years ago. But to this day, we're still besties. Um, you know, he showed me passion of the Christ and attempts to get me to understand it, the cross. I didn't understand it, um, still. And I was even more like, okay, if I don't get this and I'm not going to be a Christian and then an encounter with the Lord that I experienced like two years later is really what, what led me to give my life to, to Christ. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, so so and that was like in that was when I was like fifteen or sixteen. Um, awesome. So yeah.
0: So identity-wise, did you get that whole "I'm valued by my I have I've I have the thumbprint of my maker"? Then um, no.
1: Was that was no that no a, a process no no yeah no I think so. There's this, you know. There's a lot. You know. I think definitely not. Um, uh, man, yeah, no, I haven't always been this confident in my identity. Definitely not. It sounds cool to be former Muslim, born in the UK, Nigerian, but also black, <laughs> you know, like, but it can be really difficult to, to be at peace with all of those things, right? Like there, it can definitely be. There can definitely be a sense of identity crisis, especially when you realize that, man, my skin color. Right. Uh, there have been cases where that is has dictated my experience, right, and how I experience um, living in, in America, right, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, you know, you there have definitely been moments where there's a lot of insecurity, right? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I think now especially that I really do, and it's, it's still a process. There are days where my identity is more in being an engineer, and I want to be the best engineer, and that determines my value for the day, whatever. But, but being more kind of consistent and realizing that, okay, my identity is in Christ, what that actually does is it— <clears throat> it actually like inflames a desire to have more of these conversations with people about race. Mm -hmm. It does Mm -hmm. because the more I realize that, okay, I'm a child of God and he hasn't called me to be his child and sit on my hands, right? That I am to be a participant in this kingdom that he is, is establishing here. And, and that means, right, fighting against injustice and using whatever influence the Lord get, gives me to build bridges, right? Build bridges that, um, you know, that, that narrow the gap of uh, separation and, and division. And I haven't always gotten that right. You know what I'm saying? I can, you know, I have like there are posts I put on Facebook that I've, you get the reminders, you know, every year and you're like, Kali, you know, and I, one of them, I was like going to reply on it and be like, Hey guys, I know it's been like two years, but I'm really sorry. I posted this, (laughs) you know, and you know, there've been times where I posted stuff and Ben kioskis had, you know, had to be like, bro, you know, I'm, you know, I don't really agree. And let me kind of, let me kind of give you some, some wise counsel and guidance. We all have those moments. Right. But, but it really is about moving in the right direction. You know, so anyways.
0: So uh, that's a great segue into, you know, the big question that that I really want to close with. And that is all of this is going on. There are so many people saying so many things. There is, you know, we live in a country where if something big happens, there's only two sides. And either side is political. And we're not going to talk about politics here. We're because we're part of a kingdom and kingdom is up here. And we're followers of Jesus, and he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that's the only you know, place where we can truly find hope and reconciliation. Okay, I'm preaching to the choir. I know. I'm off my soapbox. But here's my question. As Jesus followers, how do we respond? How do we respond to everything going on, to the emotions, to the feelings, to the, man, I'm hearing this here, I'm hearing that here. There's anger. There's you know, the riots, all that stuff. How do we respond as followers of Jesus to everything that's going on?
1: Yeah, so I think that that is actually kind of a loaded question because I think, yeah, I think that there are definitely practical ways to respond, but I think the first steps need to be like a heart search for everyone. Like a heart, like let's look inside before I even like, all right, you know, let's, Lord, like— created me a pure heart. Like, let's, let's look internally. Cause the reality is I often say this politics is not the problem. Politics can't divide anything. Politics is politics. Like it's not a person. It's not, it doesn't have the ability to sprout arms and legs. And it's, you know what I'm saying? It's like a construct. It's not, people have to be accountable for their actions for their words, for their beliefs, for wh- whatever hatred or whatever animosity they have towards another person, they have to be accountable for that. Politics doesn't create division, people do, right? And so I think there's so many, when we talk about George Floyd and how I think in this case, it's, it's, it's such a h- horrible thing to see happen to him. Yeah. But in but in that there have been conversations because it's so it's so brutal that people have just been moved to ask, OK, OK, what is what is going on? Right. Mm. Such a powerful like. Image of injustice. Right. And it's moved people beyond their political um, bias to at least try and engage in the conversation. right? And so, so my point is that politics isn't the problem. It's it's such a heart thing, and the reality is that s- there's so many Christians today that that are more discipled by the news outlet that they listen to, right, than the words of Jesus, and they gather with their community, and and express political ideologies more than they do like the words of Jesus and like how Jesus calls us to act. And and you see what I'm saying? So the first step needs to be like, all right, God, have I placed a priority on who's in office right now above your kingdom? Have I placed priority over what benefits I get from who's in office? And that's either side over your kingdom, right? Have I, have I, like, when I first hear something, right, is my first response to go to my media source of preference and be told what to think and believe about what's going on, or do I allow, <clears throat> okay, my response as a believer, right? My identity as a believer trumps my identity as a Republican. My identity as a believer trumps my identity as a Democrat. My identity as a believer trumps my identity as a follower of some conservative or liberal um, influencer. And it it trumps that to where, okay, if I go back to the gospel, right? And if I, you know, I had a verse for today, Colossians 3 12, I'll even read it. where Paul is talking to, you know, he's talking to the church of Colossae and he goes through this, you know, put off the flesh kind of stuff. But then he goes into verse 12 saying, put on then as God's God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one of you has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. So it's this idea of, okay, who am I when it comes to, um, are you here still? Yeah. Yeah yeah. 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 I think I lost you. Hold on one second.
0: You're on a roll, man. A roll, man.
1: Sorry. I'm, um, <laughs> I feel old. Ah, uh, there we go. Hey, we um, said it was so, be- yeah. But so here's my point, right? When I read, when I read that verse, yeah, I see that believers are called, I don't see their, so first thing I see in that, right. Holy and beloved compassionate hearts. Mm-hmm. Right regardless of your political affiliation, the last thing I hear in, from, from CNN or Fox News is compassion. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing I hear. They're both so, cons- they, like everyone has an agenda, yeah. everyone. Yeah. And so it's so easy to get sucked into that, especially if all of your neighbors are all on the same playing field, everyone at your community group is all on the same playing field. The, that's where you go first before this call to be holy as God is holy, which means compassion, kindness, humility, right? And, you know, the conversations that I've had about this topic have been about George Floyd, about this idea of, okay, you have Ahmaud Arbery murdered on on camera and it's not until the public catches wind of it that the guys are even putting cuffs Right. Six, six weeks later, there's this, there's like a sense of injustice there. Right. And, and, and if, you know, and so often I see believers on both sides fall into a trap, right. Of being told what to think. And that actually shields them from, from being who they're called to be in Christ. It, it prevents them. Right. Um, so I've heard you say so, this before, the distraction piece, you
0: know, that that what uh, George Floyd did is that it, it took away the distractions and revealed the sin of racism and put it right in yeah, all of us to now deal with.
1: It is, so- it is, you know, and, you know, and even on that distraction piece, it's what do we talk? What do I mean by distraction? Mm. Well. In the past. Anytime this outcry of, okay, the justice systems failed a black person yet again, there's a distraction to to turn people's heads away from actually looking at the problem, right? And rather focus on something else that actually serves as ammunition to rebuttal the very people that are asking them to just listen. Right. right? So, So, hey, black lives... Black Lives Matter, you have, you know, like I said, they're, they're, that can mean a whole, different, like, a whole bunch of things to a bunch of different people. That can represent different organizations that, you know, that you or I don't necessarily agree with their practice, or it can actually represent, hey, this is, this is my attempt to bring to the, the, the public attention, right, that there's something going on. That, we, that, that I don't just want black people to see something wrong with I want anyone who has a heart for justice to and, and everyone right to be on board with seeing something change right so but guess what happens when that becomes a protest right black lives matter all lives matter. there's the distraction right and that distraction is fed through all you know media outlets that support that side because all of a sudden now it's a polarized deal where now if i'm a certain political party i'm just being told what to say and i actually believe it because we share the same values and now here we go now all of them you know you have an entire group in america that is refusing to actually just see what the problem is because they've been given a distraction right same thing with uh you know botham botham gene in dallas sitting in his apartment, walks in and gets, and gets killed. And there's a smear campaign that's run during his service, mm-hmm. during his funeral service. The cops are, are like, the, they're putting out information to try and discredit him, right? Or, or not even discredit him, but paint him as some sort of like bad guy, right? There's obviously some racial motivation there. You see what I'm saying? And it's, it's, it's wrong, but that's the distraction. Well, I mean, I know that this, Black dude was just sitting alone in his apartment doing nothing wrong and was actually a real stand up guy, was an accountant, was a worship leader at his church. I I mean, that's what they're telling me. But he also had six grams of marijuana in his room. So, you know, who knows, you know, so and all of that, that distraction, I think, doesn't just distract people from, you know, from engaging, but it, it distracts believers, especially from being who paul says god calls us to be in colossians 12 holy and beloved compassionate those distractions allow me to to now to now forfeit my identity right and put on no so, oh, you know bitterness or defensiveness or whatever as opposed to compassion hey what okay i hear you say black lives matter like i hear you you speak of this experience that you're having that maybe, I, maybe I do or don't understand, but, but as someone who's called to be compassionate is my first response to listen. Like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's hear what's going on. And the beauty of what's, what's happened recently, and it's not beautiful, what happened, but I've had so many beautiful conversations where I've had people that, that for the first time, are saying I don't understand in a very humble way. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand. Yeah. As opposed to, well, I don't understand, so it must not be true. I, you know, how many times I heard that, in, in, you know, in uh, being a kind of a physics science major, I don't understand how an all-loving God could could you know could exist because look at all the evil that's in this world. And and so so what they do is they use that I don't understand as this like, you know, as this evidence for why it must not be true. And it's foolish, right? (laughs) There's so many things I don't understand. I don't understand my wife half the time. It doesn't mean that she doesn't exist, right? She's she's right there in front of me. And she's very wise. (laughs) She's, you know, she's, she's, but, and there's also actual beauty in me not understanding her completely. Yeah. But we don't gain ground if I need to 100% understand where you're coming from in order to, to back you up or at the very least be compassionate and loving and listen. That's, that's, that's what we're called to be. And I think as horrible, I think because of George Floyd's case, like there's, there's nothing there. There have been distractions recently to try and take away from, you know, try and kind of uh, mar his character um, or whatever, try and give some excuses to why what happened to him was okay when it's not right. There have been those distractions recently, but but for the most part, people have seen it for what it actually is. It's so a yeah. black dude being murdered and his perpetrators not being put in cuffs till yesterday. Something's wrong. Right. And 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 that is now powerful enough for people to just come to me and say, listen, man, I listen, I I'm sorry. I don't understand why the rioting's happening. I don't understand how this has to anything to do with race. But man, I'm listening. You know, and now I can. okay. well, let me try and just give you my perspective. Right. You don't have to live in a world where if you marry someone of a different race. Right. uh, You know, her father is like, well, that's not right. You know, Not, not that that happened with us. But, you know, how I have a lot of interracial friends. And even just yesterday was talking to someone, you know, who, you know, she's white, he's black and and that. Her dad, when she found out that he married, she's marrying a a black dude, felt like he failed as a father. Right. That guy would never, ever say that he's a racist ever. Hmm. What racist, we know, is a self-proclaimed racist. Very few, if any. Right. So if 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 there's this man, I just don't understand what this has to do about race. Like, why does it you can't prove that he's a racist if that leads you away from. From just listening and understanding and hearing that, like, hey, there's a lot of people that are impacted by this subtle, under the surface racism that isn't that isn't projected in public for the sake of being politically correct, but is passed down generation to generation. Right, where my kids are are told, like, hey, you know, you don't want to date a black person, you don't want to be with a black person, don't love a black person, blah, blah blah blah. You know, it's just like, do you see what I'm saying? Um, and so. So my point is, though, that so many people, I don't expect people that aren't of color to understand that. Right. Why? Because they're they don't ever they don't experience, don't experience it.
0: Experience Just like exactly,
1: I don't I don't expect to understand the experiences of people that I can't understand by nature of not being them. Right. Um, but the humility That's to, it. to listen. Right. Fox News isn't preaching that CNN isn't preaching that. Right, that's only the kingdom of God, as we see here. That hey, the kingdom of God is filled with children of God. Right, that as God's chosen ones are holy, and as those that are holy and beloved have compassion, have kindness, have humility, meekness. Right, and and they let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts, and they let the teachings of Christ dwell richly above the words of Ben Shapiro and the words of whatever conservative influencer is hot or liberal influencer, right? The the teachings of Christ dwell above that. And so I don't use dehumanizing language towards people of a different party, right? I don't gather with with people that all agree with my political beliefs and and use dehumanizing language and, and a dehumanizing heart when referring to other people based off of their political beliefs, right? I I do engage in the fight for for justice when I see that that wow people that that are brothers and sisters in Christ are 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 very adamant about telling me their experience on what it's like to be black in America. And so I'm going to listen and join the fight for justice, right? To see something changed in whatever way that I can make that happen, right? That's the call for all of us, and so when it's when you ask how do we respond, it's a multifaceted question, right? We've got to dig deep. Like, where am I at? You know, am I do I am I you know am I more discipled by CNN than any any other news source that what comes out of my mouth is more in line with what I heard that morning than the words of Christ, right? And do my actions reflect my identity as God's cho- chosen ones? That I am compassionate when it's brought to my attention that there's an, there's an experience that's, that's hurtful, right. And it's rooted in, in evil, right. And though I haven't experienced it or can't experience it, that my compassion towards, towards these people made in the image of God would lead me to, okay, let me have a heart of humility and let me in whatever way, Lord, that you can use me to be a part of Change and really bringing your kingdom in a practical in a practical way. Um,
0: that's so good, that's man. Good to answer, but yeah, um, yeah. You're right. It is multifaceted and complex. But I think so complex. Right on. This is you know we do encounter retreats at at, at Cyprus and and we talk about sin and we have to examine our hearts and kind of shine <laughs> that flashlight on on that sin issue in order for God to heal it. And I think this has happened on a macro level. The flashlight has been shown on on racism subtly, but uh, for for some, and we've been numb to it. I've been numb to it, but this has awakened that. And the way that we move forward, as you just said, it's by listening, it's by being humble, and by having conversations like this one, man. And so um, let's have more, let's have more of these. I am so encouraged by you. I am so um, sharpened by you, man. And I'm so grateful to be your brother. I mean that. And Me too, man. i I've, I've, goes both ways. I have um, grown a lot just in this last week, personally. And I'm excited for what God is doing because I do believe that, you know, there's these two, two sides but above that, something bigger is happening in the kingdom of God, and this yeah. is Lord of that kingdom. And so we can we can look to Him, and and my hope is be used in a powerful way um, yeah. during all of this. So, anything else that you'd like to to share before before we close?
1: Yeah, man, I, uh, you know, I think, you know, I think that really is just it. You know, the call to be kingdom people first and foremost before, you know, Republicans or Democrats and the call to, to act in whatever way is that we can, you know, to, to have these conversations, to mm-hmm. disciple our children in the way of the kingdom, um, to not allow our children to be discipled by the world and the news and the, and the media and and by media, I'm not just talking about liberal media. I'm talking about conservative media, too. You know, it's all it's they all have an agenda. And my heart is for believers, especially to not to not fall into the trap. Right. right. And it's just so easy to do, especially when a bunch of other believers are doing it, too. Yeah. We're all falling into the trap together. We all you know, and it distracts us from actually being kingdom people, yeah. you know, um, and so. So that's it, you know, that's good stuff. That's, that's good stuff.
0: Thanks Yusuf. I really appreciate it, man. I love you. And, Thank you, uh, man. Looking forward to our next conversation.
1: Yeah, bro. Me too. Love you guys, man. I, you know, I have a huge heart for, for Cypress Creek and the people were really like, where my family's at, you know, so, so, so many of my good friends. And I just love that church. I love you. And yeah, man, I'm, I'm really, um, I wanted to say proud of you. Uh, but, uh, I hope that doesn't come across weird, but I am, man. I'm proud of you for reaching out to me and, and, and engaging in this conversation because that, I think, is the first step, first step for a yeah. lot of people, right? Um, it's not easy, um, but, but man, I think y- there's been so much fruit just in my heart, and I know in yours as well, just from this conversation. We've got a long way to go, yeah. But you know, but it definitely starts with, with us not running from it, you know, and engaging in yeah. it, you
0: know, and then allowing it to be messy and unpolished at times. Yeah. Uh, but I think God, God likes authenticity and in, in realness. And uh, we're all on this journey called life uh, together. Yeah. And one thing I've learned, man, is um, there's been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of pain um, in in the black community recently. And, and my, my prayer and hope is healing, um, for the black community and, and for our nation in Jesus. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, love you, bro.
0: All
1: right, man, my wife's calling me. So I gotta, you know what that means. Gotta go. All right. <laughs> love you, bro. Love you too, man. Peace. All right. See ya.